Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I am. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners and poisoning cases from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the tales that we tell. And it's episode 24. 24. 24. Almost at a quarter of a century. <gasps> quarter of a century. That really makes a girl think. <laughs> How are you, Nick? I'm very well. I have gin. All is well. You have a glass entirely of gin. Very large glass of gin. Larger than I was intending, but it's damn good. Shock to all of our listeners. We do sometimes drink before we get to our cocktail. And it's been one of those days, hasn't it? And during and after. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'm I'm mixing quite badly here. I have a lovely craft beer on the go because I was tired and I haven't eaten well. And I was like, those are calories. Those are fine. (laughs) Uh, It's all good. Any uh, poisonings this week, Nick? Not not that I'm aware of. But accidentally, there could have been some. There could have been many. Just dropping bleach in people's tea as you go <laughs> willy nilly you know what we need to do we what have we to, to do we we, we 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 have to thank our patreon subscribers that we do those crazy crazy people who are giving us money the we very love you very much gorgeous people who have subscribed this week we would like to thank i was gonna say spank there but uh, it's an option maybe that's the third tier there we are <laughs> we would like to thank stacy watson uh jess linton sarah johnson kendra toshiki Alexis Schrantz and Dorothy Olive we hope we said all of those right and we love you thank you very much we've had a lot of love this week actually we've had some cracking episodes because mine one was bloody (laughs) marvellous as we discussed in the last Patreon episode that Nick does think he is Christ (laughs) quite a few people have said that they want this cult to start absolutely I think so (laughs) I did like the suggestion of my my power being turning sparkling water to Prosecco that is a marvellous thing (laughs) that's a marvellous gift to have and we've come up with a name for our new Patreon episodes as well Deadly Nightcaps Deadly Nightcaps I like that name what you're getting we also have another little promo for you this week always happy to share the love with other podcasts and this week's promo is from the gorgeous duo at hardly paranormal podcast really great show we love these guys have a listen hey how does bigfoot tell time i don't know how he checks his sasquatch (laughs) i'm jerry And I'm Lacey, and we're the hosts of the Hardly Paranormal Podcast, where every week we examine cases of the strange and unusual and try to find out what's really going on. Is the Black Monk of Pontefract just a trick of the eye? Could the Loveland Frogman just be a deformed iguana? What about Will of the Wisps? Poltergeists. Leprechauns? Gateways to hell? We examine them all and more, and discuss if they're real or if they're hardly paranormal. Catch us every week wherever podcasts are available. And remember... It's probably just the wind. What do ghosts wear to formal events? <laughs> Boo ties! <laughs> it is a great show. You should really should check it out. Subscribe and have a listen to them. Well, Nick. Yes. Are you ready to drink cocktails and talk about poison? I'm always ready to drink cocktails and talk about poison. Oh. Always a choice. Drink poison and talk about cocktails? This is less tempting. We'll go with the first one. We'll go with the first one. That's what he thinks. <laughs> well, it is Nick's story this week. Hooray! Aren't hooray. you lucky? Which means you got to choose this week's secret ingredient. I did. And this week's secret ingredient it's is... Roses. Rose! I put rose singular. A rose, well. Rose. Beautiful summer floral bloom. I do love a rose. I'm glad to hear it. I'm quite weird about my roses. 
I grow roses at home. I mean, I don't like grow them on mass like a, an actual proper gardener. I've they got all have some young children's names. She talks to them. <laughs> they don't have all... names, but I do talk to them. You you yell at me when I give when I assign genders to the to the plants I'm tending to. Well, roses. What on earth will we make for our curious cocktail? Because yeah. we can't, we can't, we can't tell our story without a drink in hand. So we are going to have a summer rose. A summer rose? A summer rose. That's what the cocktail is called. I've <laughs> oh, never had this before. Never heard of it. Never heard. I think it's time to go away and mix up one of these bad boys. We are going to go to the poisonous cabinet kitchen and shake up a storm. See you in a minute. See you in a bit. And we're back. Hello. So, Nick, we have a summer rose. A summer rose. It's very pretty. It looks very pretty. So I wasn't expecting this. I've never heard of a summer rose. Didn't no, know you were going to do I. this. So I was expecting some sort of, probably a coupe glass with something, I don't know, probably pastel pink or something. But we've got a martini glass with a very striking red hue to yes, the drink. Yes, well, a two-tone, a two-level drink. Red at the bottom and white and clear at the top. Yeah, well, talk us through it. So we have, um, we have vodka. Yeah. We have creme de cacao. Ooh. Lychee. Whoa. And then grenadine, which gives us the layer of red at the bottom. Oh my god! So, yeah, so your, your vodka, creme de cacao and lychee all stirred over lots of ice to make it nice and cold, poured into a martini glass, and then grenadine um, added afterwards, sort of poured through the middle, and because it's so much thicker and heavier, it will sink to the bottom and create a, a two-layered effect. It sounds... It sounds intriguing. Intriguing. Lychee, <laughs> summer, perfumey chocolate. So it sounds like it could be interesting or it could be dreadful. Oh, I'm really excited. I'm really <laughs> so, excited. Okay, so let's go so in let's for a, a sip. Let's give it a taste. Wow. That's interesting. I was not expecting that. The lychee is actually very nice. That is amazing. I'm really impressed <laughs> by that. And the chocolate is not overpowering, but it comes through in the background. God. There's a certain hint of, hint of chocolatiness. That has blown no. my mind. <laughs> As you said, I was expecting full-on chocolatiness yeah. or just overpowering. I love a light, love a lychee. But it's love a lychee, me. It's surprisingly subtle. It's really subtle. Much like a rose. Much like a rose. Like a finely perfumed rose. Uh, it's going to be interesting when you get to the grenadine level because also yeah. it has a mix. So once you get part through the vodka lychee chocolate mix... You just don't have a mouthful of grenadine at the bottom. Well, just sugar. Maybe that just perks you up after drinking yeah, the alcohol. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously grenadine, what, pomegranate and strawberry mm. raspberry. So I don't know if you're all actually like meant to mix it all together. I mean, it seems too pretty to mix. No, it looks beautiful. Um, but I mean, once it's in the, once it's poured and served in a lovely way, are you then meant to muddle the two things? Well, we could. We could try it now. I really don't know. Do you, do you have a spoon or do you I have a know. finger? Well, I've, got, I've, got, I've got the end of a pen. Oh, you're very master mixologist. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right so you've mixed it up with your special stirring so it's all now a a, a very very vibrant red a lovely that's a proper rose red dual red color it is considerably sweeter i preferred it as it was before you know what i think it'd probably be really nice without the grenadine the grenadine really it looks stunning maybe a drop of grenadine like a teaspoon but yes but i think less would Would be be better would be better but i think it's probably one of those ones you probably drink it until you hit the red and then stop because Sinead hasn't mixed hers together i think once you get through the clear level you're going to have to have pure sugar it's one of those cocktails that could go very wrong is it lychee liqueur yeah 
Light Tea Liqueur. Well, everyone has that in the shop. This, I think. Well, I, I had to buy it specifically for this cocktail. I think like um, Chris and Cockeyed Bastard are probably going to hear this. Go, for fuck's sake, <laughs> lychee, what? They were like, roses, we can get roses. It's like a, it's a delicate mix. Yeah. So you've got one and a half shots vodka, three quarters chocolate, half lychee mm. and then half grenadine i would order that at a bar really impressed with that I'm, i didn't think it was gonna be as wow. nice as it was but i'm, <laughs> I'm yeah i'm, I'm not gonna i've not hit the grenadine yet do yeah. you think do you think do you think would it work with like a cranberry or a pomegranate kind of instead of the grenadine because grenadine is so sweet yeah i mean potentially worth an experiment Imagine with the cranberry because that's nice and sharp but also cranberry what you wouldn't get is you wouldn't get the layer you wouldn't get the layer because cranberry's not as vicious or viscous and vicious. not vicious not as vicious as the um, the grenadine which layers because yeah. of the different density yeah you wouldn't have that whereas cranberry we would just muddle all together and you would just have a pink drink people who love a sweet cocktail definitely this is one to try you go. will love it you will it's, absolutely love I'm re- it I'm really pleased with that oh it's lovely it's still, and it really feels like summer it's like a summer <laughs> bloom and and the shit I went through to take that picture <laughs> just now I sent Sinead into my garden to find roses now when you say garden well, I, my my tiny little courtyard, which with, is also a jungle, which is also a jungle of rose bush, and the the only rose flower was about twenty foot in the air. <laughs> um, so she was standing on a chair, reaching through a rose bush, yeah, um, getting shredded to pieces. I mean, to be fair, you did say don't hurt yourself, don't go up there, but I was just like, no, Basically, I'm anyway. on a mission. Yeah. I'm going to get them. I'm only going to get I felt it. Like shit. I, really, I was really going get up there, climb a tree. I felt uh, like I was reenacting a scene from Beauty and the Beast or something, like taking the one rose from the garden, and then the beast comes, and then the, the furniture will come alive. That's what I was hoping That's, for. Yeah. That's what we bet. Yeah, one friggin' dancing chair. (laughs) Well, we have our summer roses. Oh my god, I feel so fancy. Firmly in hand, firmly in hand. Nick, hello. Gonna take us on a story journey. A story journey. Yeah, I was. Well, I was always like, take us on a journey or tell us a story. And I decided to combine the two this week. Why not? Absolutely. Because much like the summer rose. I have learned to have a two-layered approach. Well done. Let's see how long that lasts. Right. Yes. So it is indeed. It is me for a story this week. But today we are heading back to America. Hooray. We have not been for a few episodes. We've so travelled the world. We have travelled the world since then. Um, but we are heading back to the States to tell the story of Nanny Doss. <gasps> the notorious serial killer. Responsible for the deaths of 11 people over 30 years. Bastard. Starting in the 20s and going through to 1954. Oh, she did well. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. 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 So you may have heard of Nanny Doss before. I mean, she had many names. The Giggling Granny, Mm -hmm. the Lonely Hearts Killer, the Black Widow, or Lady Bluebeard. Those those vary in 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 originality. Yeah, no, I was I was slightly confused by Lady Bluebeard. Well, um, Lady Bluebeard, Bluebeard is a great story. Do you know the story? Yes, yes. Yeah, so I had to Google it to find out why that connection. But yeah, oh, obviously Bluebeard is, is I think it's a French tale. It's a French tale of a wife, a woman who marries a man, and he yeah. has uh, spoiler alert, he has all of his wives in a torture chamber yeah. in the cellar. So, a great story though, Bluebeard, and Angela Carter's version of it is excellent. Yeah, I, I also thought, ooh, was she a pirate? Um, but, apparently, but apparently not. I was disappointed. No, you're thinking of Blackbeard Black and that Yellowbeard, was... the, the piss take film. <laughs> so that was. He was a Bluebeard. He must be a pirate. He must oh, be Jesus a pirate. Christ. He had a beard. He must be a pirate. Giggling the giggling granny. granny. That is horrible. And the lonely hearts killer was a name I had heard before, but I did not know that was her. Was it was just that you got contacted through Lonely Hearts, and the person was called "I'm the Lonely Hearts Killer." Like, hmm, this guy seems yeah, mysterious. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we should meet for drinks. Surprisingly, not. Yes. So Nanny was born Nancy Hazel on November the fourth. 1905 in Blue Mountain, Alabama. Now, Nanny was one of five children born to Louisa and James Hazel. As we find frequently in these cases, Nanny didn't have a particularly jolly childhood. Her father was incredibly controlling and had a vicious 
temper. Well, he forced his children to work on the farm instead of going to school. So at the age of five, Nanny was cutting wood, ploughing fields, clearing weeds and rubbish. At the age of five? At the age of five, she was working in the farm. So her father did not have to pay <laughs> farmhands. Who needs to pay farmhands when you've got children standing idle, learning to read? Nonsense. <laughs> Nonsense. Nonsense. None of that. None of they that. don't need to learn about maths. They mess. don't need They words. don't need to know where equator is. <laughs> Sorry, this is Alabama, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, this is Alabama, so, yeah. <laughs> don't need to know where the equator is. So. But, also, but chopping wood, fine. Plowing a bloody field. Well, I don't think She's... she was there like with the plow on her back, actually like walking. I think Are she was probably sure? like... Why, why have horses <laughs> when I've got children standing idle? <laughs> this, this is very true. I think perhaps she was... <laughs> driving horses or something like that <laughs> i choose to believe what i you, believe <laughs> you choose to believe it absolutely yeah when she was seven years old she went on a trip to visit relatives in the south of the state and on the train journey there the train had to break suddenly nanny went flying whacking her head on the metal bar Ooh. um in uh, the seat in front of her for I mean for years later she suffered from migraines blackouts depression all her future problems she blamed on this one incident this okay. head head trauma that she had experienced fair enough well i mean but yeah i mean potentially i mean really to whack your head and that yeah she suffers horrendously for this throughout her life but this is the one thing she keeps coming back to as this has been the root of all her issues so i mean as we said i mean nanny didn't have a great childhood i mean she was seldom allowed to leave the farm and she had very few friends she had a uh, lot to do it was mm. indeed but her favourite hobby, her favourite pastime, when she did get a few spare minutes, was reading her mother's romance novels, her mother's magazines and books, imagining her own romantic future. She particularly loved the Lonely Hearts columns. Oh, yes. Dreaming about being whisked away, a knight in shining armour would come and rescue her from the farm and carry her away to a happier, happier life. Aww. I'm, I'm on a side here. Oh, yeah, so far. Absolutely. I mean, well, she's just dreaming of a better, better future. Has she got a shock in store when she actually finds out yeah. who the people writing those Lonely Hearts columns are? <laughs> I mean, as Nanny got, gets to dating age, she, I mean, she was eager to get out and meet her own Prince Charming. But her father made this quite, quite difficult. Um, I mean, Nanny and her sisters were forbidden to go to dances and social events. They were not allowed to wear makeup or fancy clothes. Well, he believed he was helping them. He would prevent mm. them from getting molested. Because obviously, boys and men cannot control themselves around makeup and fancy clothes. Absolutely, no. Yeah. Just, um, just make yourself look like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> Don't wear makeup. Men won't find you attractive without a bit of mascara on. My plan is foolproof! I mean, he said this to, to his daughters, but I think perhaps what he was mainly concerned about is, is losing hands around the mm. farm. If his daughters went and got married, who's going to run the plough now? Um, <laughs> I'd have to get... I'd I'd have to pay someone. I'd have to get a horse. I'd have to pay someone. I mean, however, Nanny did manage to to sneak away every now and again um, and found the hayloft provided sufficient privacy to get to know some of the local boys a little bit better. A little bit better. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh, no. How scandalous. (laughs) Ooh, there's something very sexy about hayloft, though. Is there really? Hay's going to get everywhere and it'll be spiky and pokey and none of that. You speak of experience. Then just picking hay out of places that you don't eat hay, so none of that. <laughs> what happened on a farm, do you Nick? At the age of 16. <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Nanny was first married at the age of 16 to Charlie Braggs, um, who was a co-worker at a, a linen factory where she worked when she wasn't needed on the farm. So in the, the off-season of the farm, um, obviously not allowed to actually go to school or get an education, she had to work and earn some money. 
I mean, her father approved of young Charlie. I mean, he, I mean, he wasn't like the other ruffians in Blue Mountain. Um, I mean, they wasted their time playing those crazy new jazz records. None of that. <laughs> and idling their lives away in the drinking and dancing and having a fun. In, in the Blue Mountains, really. Yes. It was Don't... one record that was being passed around. Oh, yeah, but potentially. I mean, Charles was different, though, from those. Him, he was respectful. His main focus was his mother. His mother, who was a widow. I mean, most of his paycheck went to support her. He treated her like the Queen of Alabama. Quite right, thought James. Good old-fashioned respect for his elders. Perhaps his own daughter will learn a thing or two. And with her father's approval, they married after four months of dating. Okay, so he's into his mother. Oh, yes, he likes his mother. As Nanny and Charlie set out on their married life together. Oh, God. um, Nanny having visions of romance and a blissful family life. Who should come to live with them? But dear Mother Braggs. Mother Braggs. Dear mother-in-law. I mean, Nanny had escaped an angry, controlling father, only for him to be replaced by a depressed and controlling mother-in-law. <sighs> um, so, and clearly she's not good enough for her son. Well, it's, yes, I mean, it's nothing is ever good for her, good enough for her son. Mm. I mean, if Nanny wanted to dine out one evening, Mother Braggs didn't. Oh, my stomach, I can't possibly be left alone. Mm. Charlie would, would relent and agree to stay in for the evening. And the ailment would soon pass. If Nandy wants to go to the picture house, then the same sudden symptoms would strike. And they would stay at home playing mahjong at the kitchen table. <laughs> yeah. By the way, when I said, oh God, a minute ago, it was not because of the story. It's because I've hit the grenadine. You've hit the grenadine. <laughs> hit the the and it is surprisingly it is. like, The Braggs have four daughters within four years of marriage. The first in 1923 and the last one in 1927. I mean, as the pressures of raising four children, pleasing and ever-demanding Mother Braggs, and looking after her husband, she finds solace in the liquor cabinet. And she means she chain-smokes her way through most of the day. She enjoys She's just smoking and drinking. She enjoys a cigarette throughout the day. I'm fine with this, um, And Nanny. enjoys the, the liquor, the liquor cabinet. I mean, yeah, I mean, absolutely, I mean, so far. Well, um, I mean, what's her life been up until I mean, then? Yeah. I, mean, I don't know what happens after this. Up, know, up until now. Up until now. We're all with Manny. hard life. Everyone's been mean to her and she's dealing with a bitch of a mother-in-law. Just shot out four girls as well. Let the woman have a smoke and a drink. Yeah, oh, I'm not disagreeing. Absolutely. I mean, this romance malarkey is, is really not living up to expectations. No. I mean, all these things <laughs> she's read about in the books and the magazines, this is not quite what she'd no. this is not quite what was planned for both charlie and nanny are deeply unhappy they both suspect each other quite correctly of having numerous affairs i mean her own indiscretions are easily hidden from charlie because he's out shagging somewhere else at the same time <laughs> um, so did they both come home at the same time where were you shopping uh, yeah shopping shopping where were you i was tending to the hay <laughs> Fair enough. Fair go enough, on, yeah. Go back what to about it? <laughs> I think that's exactly how it went. In early 1927, the couple lost their two middle daughters oh. to suspected food poisoning. Um, the children yeah. seemed fine at breakfast, but by lunch, they were dead. Uh. Local medics claim natural deaths, the most detail I was able to find. Charlie, however, is more suspicious. He is well aware of Nanny's drinking. Uh, her bouts of depression, and he is concerned. But the, though he has no proof to go and talk to anyone, shortly afterwards, their fourth daughter, Florine, is born. Charlie decides to quit while he's ahead, and he runs. He what? takes their first daughter, Melvina, with him, and he leaves. Tell me that he takes his mother with him. The mother is staying there. Oh, for God's sake! The mother, the mother is left left behind. I mean, not knowing where Charlie had gone or if or when he would be back, Nanny is forced to take a job at the cotton mill again. 
the newborn Florine, and the ever-cranky Mother Braggs. Oh, for God's sake. But Charlie does return. Okay. Charlie does return. In the summer of 1928, oh. he, he returns to the farm. Malvina in tow, another woman on his arm. <sighs> this other woman also has a child of her own from a previous relationship. Few words are spoken between the three the three of them. Uh, Nanny, <sighs> Charlie and his new lady friend. Well, where's he um, there? Then? He's there because it's his, it's his home. He owns the house. His mother is there. Right. He is Nanny Slingerup. Get out. No. Yes. I mean, she actually ends up leaving with both daughters, with Malvina and Florine. Oh, um, okay. But then Charlie is lucky. He is forever known as the husband who got away <laughs> from, <laughs> from Nanny Doss. <laughs> Nanny is now homeless. She's got two young children in tow, and she is forced to return to her family's farm. She's older now. She cannot do the physical labour of working on the farm for her father. So she stays working at the cotton mill. But at least that gets her away from her nagging parents. Well, yeah, I she, mean, if she just rocks up with two kids and, and her dad's like, great, you're here, great. Okay, so the plough needs doing and there's wood that needs chopping. The ho- I'll just shoot the horse and we'll eat it. You can do all of the horse stuff. Pretty That's much, yeah. Fine. I'm sp- he's probably eyeing up the grandchildren going, you can drag a plough. <laughs> oh, look. <laughs> That baby, yes, that baby's doing nothing. <laughs> exactly. But see, she she quite enjoys, say, getting out of the house, going to her employment at the at the cotton mill. She also enjoys the look she gets from some of the chaps who work in the machine shop there. So she, she's she's not opposed to the to the, the eye that she gets. Is she particularly attractive, Nanny? Um, no, not I think, I th- in her youth, yes, I think she was. She was considered quite quite fetching. So yes, yeah, so she certainly caught an eye or two. Absolutely. Was she just because she's so desperate for attention? Was she just walking through the cotton mill and just opening her blouse, going? Eh? I mean, it's, it's, eh? it's, it's potential. Or just or just walking around with just one out, <laughs> just one out. Hey, lads, that's like what you see. I I did not find exact references to that, um, <laughs> but I that I didn't not find references to that. So <laughs> so we can't discount we can't it. Discount. We cannot confirm or deny she didn't get one tit out. Exactly. <laughs> Just walk around the cotton mill. She's not going to make the same mistake again, though, with the the chap that she chooses. She's not going to be marrying another immature mountain boy with a mother complex. She's not going to marry someone with wandering hands. It's a terrible disease. No, absolutely none none of that. Nanny, even though I mean Nanny herself has spent most of her first marriage in someone else's bed. So Nanny turns to the lonely hearts columns in the papers. She writes long letters to the men whose ads who interest her. Well, many men reply, but one man in particular, she's ooh, he oh, sounds, ooh, 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 ooh. he sounds interesting. He sounds like my sort of chap. Oh really? Twenty three year old Frank Harrelson. He writes poetry. <gasps> he sends her a photo. He looks like Clark Gable. Desperately handsome. Mm-hmm. Desperately handsome. An excellent turn of phrase. Oh, they the meet and it is love at first sight. <sighs> Frank proposes. Nanny accepts. They what? are married in 1929. <laughs> Less than a year after they have first... Oh, right. I thought it was like the first day. It was like, marry no, no. me! Yes. No, no. They have been <laughs> corresponding for, for some time. Right. Uh, they they meet and soon after they are they are married. So all this happens within a year. Of course, they, the, well, it's the it's the, it's it's the, the love. old version of texting, isn't it? Exactly. You just you talk and you exchange yeah. and exchange the love and the flirting, flirty text, flirty text, flirt, yeah. flirty flirty letter, darling. As the first months of marriage pass, the rose tinted glasses of Nanny's romantic dreams start to fall away. Nanny realizes that her tall, handsome, rugged husband. Not only that, but he has spent time in jail for assault. Oh, yeah. Nanny has taken her two daughters from the, the loving arms of her, their grandparents and moved them across the state to Jacksonville. And they can see the anger in Nanny's face when she has to go and fetch him from the drunk tank in the mornings. 
it's not a, it's not a jolly time but life mm. went on and over the years frank's drinking is constant he is a violent man there he beats her he yells and threatens the children hugely vocal yelling shouting threats i mean anger and hate build within within nanny but she's stuck with him for 16 years this is horrible oh it's a bit yeah it's a jolly yes the problem with doing a podcast about poisoning people it can't always be jolly (laughs) no no it can't always you can't always start being oh they're a bastard they're a bastard yeah no it's not fun uh, it gets worse. Um, oh, good, good. Okay. But, I mean, by the start of the 1940s, Nanny's two daughters um, were grown and had married Melvina, the eldest, had a son, Robert, in 1943. Mm. Um, and in February 1945, she went into a labour again. Now, mm-hmm. Melvina suffered quite badly throughout the labour, who was in a lot of distress, um, and called for her mother to be by her bedside. I mean, Nanny remains throughout the night, um, giving orders to Melvina's husband, Mosey, and really keeping the midwives busy. Tasks to be done to making sure Melvina is as comfortable as Mm. possible, and the labour passes as swiftly as is possible. Eventually, a little girl arrives, and Nanny celebrates with her daughter and son-in-law. Within an hour, the child is dead. Oh, God details are vague and if this is true it is actually one of the worst things i've ever ever read about in melvina's semi-conscious state from the painkillers she had been taking Mm. throughout the throughout labor she has looked she has looked over at her mother um and she's never sure if what she sees is real or is a nightmare but she thinks she sees her own mother sticking a hat pin (gasps) into the baby's head no so, which I say, which is about the most vile thing I've ever had to write. Oh my god! I mean, unsurprisingly, Melvina is desperately disturbed. She still doesn't know if it is a hallucination, weird fever dream brought on through the thing, or if she what she has seen is real. Oh god! It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a horrible thing. Even more concerning for her, I mean, the doctors are unable to account for the child's death. They're unable to explain it. In some ways, I think. Well, if nanny was responsible in that vile way yes that's going to be noticeable that's not a, a subtle thing that, that does yeah. it, it sounds like the the most horrifying and upsetting and completely does. understandable hallucination of someone who's just lost their baby i mean melvina tells her husband and her own sister about what she imagines what she's dreamed and she's actually even more terrified when they both tell her that they had seen nanny earlier in that day idly playing with a pap in with through her fingers like flicking it through her fingers what? she had she had one with her I nothing mean, can be proved nothing can be proved one way or the other the doctors cannot mm. explain the death cannot say one way or the other melvina has seen what she thinks she's seen both her husband and her sister have provided some sort of corroborating evidence that it's a possibility whose mother would do such a thing now we fast forward six months and okay. melvina's son robert is dead Mm. while staying with his grandmother something terrible happens no one knows what happens the doctors diagnose his death as asphyxia from unknown nanny is beside herself with grief and is heartbroken right up to the funeral she is wailing in despair as the coffin is lowered into the ground she faints collapses a couple of months later a life insurance check arrives in the post for nanny no uh, what for the for which son for for malvina's first son robert so she's taken out a life insurance on the child on the on her yeah her, her, her grandson. grandson her grandson yes. okay okay all right this is now, now yeah. nope. 
I mean, no one suspects foul play. I mean, that is the last thing from anyone's Nobody mind. wants to think that. Nobody wants to well, think that. No one that, wants to think yeah. that, and it's, it's certainly not the first thing that will no, spring, spring to mind. In August of 1945, America is celebrating the end of the Second World War. Japan Woo-hoo! has just surrendered, <laughs> and the troops are on their way home. Every town across the country has the bunching out and the balloons are flying. Um, <laughs> and on the 15th of September, Frank, she's still married to Frank, heads Busted. to the bar to welcome home some friends. I was welcoming home anyway. his friends. Where uh, the hell was he in the bloody war? Well, yes. Yes. As he returns home in a, in a fully festive mood. Things soon turn sour. Mm. Nanny is there and he demands sex. You just didn't beat around the bush at all there, did you? I don't think I've ever heard you use that word. What, sex? Sex. I know. (laughs) I'm shocked. He demands... He would like to visit her lady garden. (laughs) He demands a visit to the hayloft. Nanny's not so keen. Fair enough. Nanny refuses. He slams his fist into the wall next to her head. And he forces himself on her. Mm, Okay. Oh, for... No, yeah. right, right. Mm. Next day, Nanny seething, furious that this that this has this has happened, not the first time. Now vows to get even. She is outside tending her rose garden, her only place of solace. Rose. Uh, <laughs> See, we have a rose in a very jolly, delightful part ro- of the story. Ro- every rose has its thorn. She comes across. Her husband's corn liquor jar that he has buried in the ground. Why he has buried it, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, he's obviously, he's not a secret drinker. But she might throw it away. Well, but uh, yes, maybe so. She comes across his stash and now Nanny spies her chance. She takes the jar to the storeroom, pours out some of the liquid and tops the jar up with rat poison. Rat poison? Arsenic-based rat poison poison arsenic arsenic alarm <laughs> arsenic alarm there it is there it is oh god okay she 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 buries the the liquor jar back in the back in the garden and goes about the rest of her day that evening frank harrelson dies in agony but with frank out of the way nanny is again free to find love and romance at last mm. next time it will be better right okay she has a system she has a system. In 1947, Nanny finds herself in Lexington, North Carolina. Going through the Lonely Hearts columns, she comes across Arlie Lanning. Like her, she believes he is a romantic soul looking for the one. They meet Sparks Fly. Two days later, they are married. Whoa, okay. Really didn't wait around there, did they? <laughs> but like Frank before him, Arlie turns out to be an alcoholic and a womanizer. <laughs> but this time the tables turn. Whenever life gets too hectic or Arlie drinks too much, Nanny disappears. Mm. She pulls down the suitcase from the cupboard and goes, sometimes for weeks or months on end. She would sometimes leave a note on the dining table just saying, gone arlie would occasionally get a telegram saying send money home home soon sounds great yeah out of the out of the blue she would come home and the couple would act like nothing had happened arlie knew the reason she leave she had left was because of his drinking Mm. and for a time he would sober up he would do his best to to to, to become sober um, and they would play happy families Apple pies were cooling on the windowsill. Fresh laundry <laughs> hung in the yard um, amongst, the rose, <laughs> amongst the rose bushes. When Arlie couldn't resist the drink anymore, mm. it all comes crashing down and Nanny 
would disappear again. So she was absent quite, quite frequently. When she was home, she was a pillar of the community. Regularly attended church and was often seen at the the, the women's meetings, the women's church meetings, where they would all support her for her dreadful drunken husband. Poor, oh, poor, we got poor, trouble. Poor, poor, poor nanny. When the town turns out for Arlie's funeral in 1950, oh, for God. <laughs> it's not out of respect for the dead, but in support of the heartbroken widow. She had put up with so much through her husband's drinking, his liaisons. I mean, yes, he had died suddenly. Heart failure, thought the doctors. Mm -hmm. There was something that caused his heart to fail, but no reason to worry about what that was. No reason for that. People are old. People die. Exactly. People People die. It's what, the 40s now? 30s? We're now in the 1950s. We're now now in the 50s. It's the 50s. People die. People die. People smoke and drink. They die. Yeah, I mean, no need for any of those pesky autopsies. No, 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 no. no. None of that. I mean, any any number of things could have caused the sweating, vomiting, struggling for breath. (laughs) Speaking to neighbours, she says, I mean, poor, poor Arlie, she says. You know what he said to me before he breathed his last? Nanny, he says. Nanny, it must have been the coffee. (laughs) <laughs> i mean why why would you put that in there oh it must have been the coffee, must have been the coffee. nobody was asking you nanny <laughs> we we can see he died of a heart attack but it was the coffee wasn't it yes the coffee <laughs> on the 21st of april eight weeks after arlie's death the tidy nice little house that they shared burns to the ground it was a bit of luck really Seeing the house had been left to Arlie's sister in the will. <laughs> I mean, it oh, was she it was entirely coincidental that that Nanny had just left the house with her her favourite item, her television set, before the fire like, under her arm. Going to get it repaired. She's bloody strong. Oh, actually, look, the house has burned down. <laughs> TVs in the fifties were massive. Yeah, absolutely. She's taken it for repair, and while she's been out, the house is now a Burned pile of the ash. Well, that's good. Well, she's used to pulling plows, you know. So. Oh, well, well, indeed. Yeah, she's she's a, been trained from a young she's age. A, she loves her romance, her romance stories. Of course, she likes her so, so stories. Absolutely likes, Mama's watching likes her stories. her stories. I mean, after the fire, Nanny actually lodges with Arlie's mother. The insurance company write a cheque for the house to Arlie Lanning, deceased, yeah. which goes straight into the bank account of his widow. As soon as the funds cleared, Nanny ups and leaves North Carolina. But not not before the elderly Mrs. Lanning dies strangely in her sleep. <laughs> she's on a roll now. She's on a, she? she's she's on a on roll. A roll. She, she's, got a, she's got a taste for it. She knows she can get away with it. Apparently so. In 1952, the Diamond Circle Club is a correspondence association for those looking for life partners. The suitor and ladies each receive a monthly newsletter showing off the newest members, promising them, them their heart's desires. <laughs> Um, and Nanny is, is enthralled. I would be. Absolutely. It sounds marvellous. Far better than Tinder. <laughs> God, yeah. I want a newsletter. I want something printed in sepia. <laughs> I mean, a marriage. I'm saying. I want it for you, Nick. I want it for you so we can look through together. <laughs> I mean, she's getting a bit older now. She's not turning heads quite the way she used to. Maybe she still knows how to catch someone's eye. She still has her girlish giggle. Um, uh, she's more than ooh. capable of in, enticing her true love. But her giggle is her flirting thing. She actually has a flirtatious giggle. Flirtatious giggle. That's terrifying. It's done her well so far. Yeah, but you know, anyone who just goes up to you and just giggles at you, it makes you feel like your house is haunted. <laughs> well, I'm sure it's probably in response to something desperately amusing that the <laughs> the chap has said. She's been waiting for ages. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's going, say something funny. Say something funny. Say something funny. Yes. So I've been uh, using the mechanics of the... <laughs> Oh my, oh my good words. <laughs> I, I see you've done that before. <laughs> but she has decided, though, that the time has come to stop wasting her efforts on the the young, the immature men. 
that she had been setting her sights on before. Um, and it's time to find someone more more mature. How old is she now? I think she's now in her thirties, towards the end of her thirties. Oh, I okay, that's fine. that's fine. That's fine. I'm not saying that's fine. I'm just, <laughs> thirty. Sorry, it's just like it just. It feels like she's lived such a fucking horrible life yeah. so far that I'm like she must be I about sixty. No, I think she's coming towards the end of her. So possibly, potentially. But that is that is the age at which we all kind of go. In your thirties, well, you go. I'm done with boys. Boys are silly. I'm going to go and date men. And one day she receives a letter from a retired businessman, Richard Morton. She was smitten. I mean, after they met, Richard Ruck himself writes to the Diamond Circle Club, asking them to delete his and Nanny's names from their lists and to thank them for introducing him to the sweetest and most wonderful woman he has ever met. Aww. They are married in October 1952. So she can certainly beguile the man, oh, can't she? Yes. It's not just the giggle. There's, oh, there's, no. there's substance. She doesn't just giggle and stand there for half an hour. No, no, no. She does. She has some substance behind Most it. Most certainly. And they move to their new home in Kansas. Uh, the flat plains of Kansas are quite different from the quite dramatic mountain scenery from Alabama that she's grown up with. I mean, at last she believes she has found the one. He is tall, dark, handsome. He's so generous. Buys her clothes, he buys her jewellery, buys her gifts. But I mean, but as it often does with Nanny, the, the reality soon sets in. Richard is incredibly boring. Oh no! He's so so dull. No, but but he's nice. He's nice. He buys but he's her shit. Just take her. the nice shit. Don't. But so so boring. Not only that, he's in debt so oh. much. Okay, no, that is bad. Debt. That is bad. Don't go out with someone in debt. I mean, when he does find boring some, and rich is fine. When he does find some money for his gifts and his generous generousness to Nanny, he always buys two. One for her, and one for the other woman on the other side of town. <laughs> He's just figured out how to get a woman. Just buy her shit. Buy her shit. Buy That's her what shit. they want. They want sparkly things. They do. I mean, Richard's occasional trips into town started taking longer and longer. And when, when Nanny asks why it takes so long, no reason, he says. Just dawdling. One day, Nanny follows him on one of his excursions <laughs> and finds that he was at he seeing someone else <laughs> nanny had made a mistake again men but richard morton had made a bigger mistake <laughs> she had married a phony but he had married a killer only two months after walking down the aisle nanny was answering the ads in other lonely hearts columns well he shacked up with someone else yeah she would race to the mailbox each day to get the post first, just in case one of her admirers had written <laughs> had written back to her. Yes, it'd be a bit weird if he was opening that. Yeah. Yes, this letter from the bank is quite explicit. <laughs> <laughs> she would then sneak off to the bathroom to, to, to swoon <laughs> over their amorous amorous notes. She was swoon swoon. over she was swooning she was. in the bathroom. She was. You just kept hearing her fainting upstairs with every line that she read. Passionate stuff. <laughs> the, the gentleman writing to her believe that she is a widow. Yeah, uh, they right. offer to sweep nice. her away from all her troubles. But there was one small problem. Richard is still very much alive. Yes, yes, Which I is... gathered that. <laughs> but this doesn't pose too much of a problem from Nanny. Husband number four was destined to go the same way as the previous two. Uh, until a telegram arrives and scuppers her plans. Her father has passed away. Her own... Oh, okay. Her father in Alabama has died. But me, me, Nanny is not overly bothered, particularly. But what is more concerning is that her mother announces that she is coming to stay with her and Richard. And in 1953, Louisa her mother arrives in kansas the plans for her husband may have to be put on hold shit 
Or would they? Or would they? We don't know if Louisa has suspicions all along about what her interesting character her daughter had turned into, or was she simply in the way of Nanny's plans? But within weeks of her arrival in January 1503, she had herself had fallen desperately ill with chronic stomach pains, and she died. Oh dear. Yes. Three months later, Richard Morton joins Louisa. Oh. Same symptoms. And yet again, no one asks a single question. Nobody. No, no one. one's asking. This is in the 50s. This is in the 50s. This is not of a time, a long time ago, where you can't possibly join the dots. It's People a... should know. Yeah. Oh, yes, indeed. <sighs> okay. But no, I think what okay. what is what is not as not has not helped is that several of the things have been carried across over in different states. So mm. she's gone to different places. So necessarily those police departments and things aren't talking to each other. An elderly woman herself has passed away. Um, she old. She old. Um, and then her, her her husband months later. He's sort of kind of old. He's sort of kind of old. He's yeah. very boring. He's boring. Um, <laughs> he bored himself to death. As boredom. Greatest person of them all. (laughs) (laughs) Next, we introduce a man, Sam Doss, where obviously Nanny takes her final name, Nanny Doss, from. Sam Uh, Sam had been one of Nanny's pen pal lovers. And as soon as Richard was in the ground, she jumped on a bus and heads to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oh, Tulsa. Nice. Sam was a widow himself. He had lost his entire family to a tornado in Madison County. That's rough. It's, yeah, it's... It's rough and also slightly impressive. <laughs> I mean, it's awful if anyone's ever actually lost anyone to a tornado. I know they're a thing. We do not have them in England. They're no. not a thing. There was one once, I think, somewhere, and people went, oh. But yeah, to lose your entire yeah, family entire to a tornado. To a tornado. I mean, he, Sam is 59 years old. He is an ex-minister. Oh, right. He used okay. to be a minister. So he is a solid, God-fearing man. He is doesn't it? drink. He doesn't no. smoke. Okay, good. He doesn't play dice. He doesn't swear. He's careful with his appearance. He's thrifty with his bank account. He doesn't lose his temper. He loves nature. He sees the good in everything. Is he Jesus? And everyone. <laughs> he's sort of high, scoring high and maybe he's, boring monitor. Yeah, I mean, there. he proposes in June 1953 and Nanny leaps at the chance. But he is a complete change from her previous husband's. Mm. Um, he older, is a wiser, older, wiser, a good man. His husband um, number. This is our husband number five. Five, right? Um, he works a steady job. He's a minister. He's, well, he's an ex-minister. No, oh, okay. now he but he now works. He helps around the house. Nice. He enjoys cooking. Oh, right. Um, okay. And he was certainly never threatening or violent towards anyone. Sounds lovely. To nanny, he is unbelievably and irrecoverably boring oh uh, there we go yeah there we are she she is just looking for danger she's she's looking for these this romance to be whisked off her feet uh for someone to come and rescue her and lead her in a life of excitement and fun and romance and passion um this and and we will come back to i'm sure at length but (laughs) there therein lies the problem of the unattainable exactly idea of romance that you've got to be wild and crazy and you've got to be passionate you've got to be a heathcliff but heathcliff was an abusive brute and then when you get a nice steady man he's not heathcliff enough precisely so ugh god damn it stop going for heathcliff's people he's not real i mean nanny finds him far too conservative and set in his ways dinner i mean books and television they are meant to enrich the mind not 
peddle the filth of romance novels. Um, <laughs> she likes her stories. She likes her stories. Bedtime, 9.30, not a minute later. Sex Actually, that's scheduled fine for me in now. the diary. What? <laughs> Only on very certain days when pre-planned. None of this spontaneous nonsense. None of that spontaneous no, nonsense. No, no, no. one needs that. I'm not kidding, as in like, there's a little bit of me that's like, that sounds yeah, great. Yeah, that sounds fine. <laughs> 9.30, I am fine going to bed at 9.30. Sex, is this when we're doing, oh great, because I can plan for this now. I can, I can plan for this shit. I can I can bring my A game, babe, it's fine. You want, no, I, for God's sake, I just ate, or just, I'm sleepy. I, watched, yeah. I, watched, I want to watch the stories. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm on his side. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, to Nanny, his thriftiness becomes unbearable. Okay, that's not acceptable. Um, I mean, heating is only allowed on the very coldest of nights. Oh, wait, no, no, um, no. He has lost my sympathy. <laughs> I need it to be warm all the time. Um, lights are only allowed at certain times. And there's only one light in a room. And when you leave that room, the light is turned off. So if you want to go and get a, something... sting? From, when you get something from the kitchen, you turn the light off in the room you're in. Go to the kitchen, turn the light on, do what you need to do, go back, turn the light on again. Also, I mean, furniture and things is expensive. So you must have a protective doily on all things. Quite, quite right. <laughs> Doilies everywhere. <laughs> to protect the furniture from your ass. Protective <laughs> <laughs> doilies. Protective doilies. What the fuck is a doily going to do? This is in the 50s where you have plastic on furniture. That's, okay, that's just Well, this is, this is, bad, rural, this, this, this is, this is rural 50s. So we're looking... We can't afford plastic. So I think it's, it's doilies. Doilies. Husband is obsessed with doilies. <laughs> Who doesn't need more doilies? We all need doilies on our sofas. <laughs> I'm going to come around one day. I'm going to put doilies on your beautiful sofas. Your beautiful stylish sofas. Here we are, Nick. And they'll come in and cry. <laughs> I mean, and I mean, Nanny, unsurprisingly, she has to get away. She takes a trip back to Alabama. Sam is hot on her tail with letters begging forgiveness. Promises that he will change his ways. Mm. Um, I mean, to show his commitment, he opens his wallet um, to let her enjoy the life lifestyle that she she wants. But that's not enough for her. He gives her equal access to his bank accounts. His money is her money. He also agrees to take out two life insurance policy on himself, <laughs> naming her as the beneficiary. What does Sam. he think will happen? In the worst case scenario, he is going to provide for Nanny for her future when Fair he enough. is if no he's longer that stupid, around. If he's, that, if he's that stupid chasing after her, then fine. Fine, fine. One September evening in 1954, Sam sits at the dinner table. Um, from the kitchen, Nanny appears with an amazing prune cake. <laughs> prune. To finish. Prune. A prune that was that, that very nearly became a secret ingredient as prune. well. Prune. I like a prune. Yeah. I like a prune. Indeed. I prefer a date. Still. <laughs> <laughs> so to, to to finish the evening's meal and Sam enjoys a large slice of prune oh, cake oh, you would Ooh, you would, you would. Ooh, it'll keep doesn't. you regular as well yeah that night Sam wakes drenched in sweat yeah. clutching his stomach retching oh it's not good well that's what prunes do to you no this, this, this is more vicious and more unpleasant than a normal prune activity well you've never seen me with a prune <laughs> I'm very sensitive to prunes I and can't. raisins yes. can't say I have and I don't particularly ever want to <laughs> He is bedridden for days, tenderly cared for by Nanny, until the doctor finally decides he has to go to hospital. He is in a hospital for 23 days, recovering from the prunes. (laughs) The hospital diagnoses a severe infection of the digestive tract. By prunes. 
by prunes. Prunes, the greatest poison of them all. <laughs> in October, he is released from the hospital and Nanny is waiting for him at home, possibly slightly annoyed about all this bloody wasted time being <laughs> in the hospital. She allows him an afternoon to rest and settle back in before preparing an amazing welcome home feast. She wakes him from his nap with a nice hot cup of coffee. Lovely. At the dining table, he tucks into delicious roast pork, washed oh, down ooh. with more coffee. Coffee and pork? Not too sure about that. Sorry, uh, I'm still pitching this in the 1800s for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> it's the 50s. No, no, we're in the it's 50s. Like they had more stuff. Yeah. He likes his coffee. He likes his pork. I'm understanding why he went to hospital. <laughs> <laughs> that is not good for the colon. <laughs> By midnight, Sam Doss is dead. No. But this time, I mean, Nanny has been in too much of a rush. She hasn't thought it through. The, the, the doctor who examined Sam just before his release, only the day before, is concerned, dismayed, that his patient, who was doing so well, is now dead. And he orders an autopsy. Finally! Sam Doss has not died of natural causes. In his stomach is enough pork, coffee, and arsenic <laughs> to kill 20 people. Overdosed in pork! <laughs> Unable to explain where the arsenic had come from, Nanny Doss is arrested for murder. Yeah. Should have hidden it in the applesauce. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at first, Nanny denies any involvement in Sam Doss. Why on earth would she kill her poor, loving husband? But the police don't give up. No. They remind Nanny that arsenic is not naturally found in pork or coffee. Uh, and it, it, must, <laughs> it must have got in there somehow. Mm. Hour after hour, the questions go on. Did she poison the prune cake too? Poison? Me? Giggles Nanny as she leafs through her latest romantic hearts magazine. Ordinarily, what, the, what, in the police in the police station. in the police station. me. Yeah. Ordinarily, the police wouldn't have put up with this sort of behaviour. Absolutely not. But it's so difficult to get angry with this sweet jolly grandma. Yes, it is. How it's what? how difficult? No, you can't shout at a lovely old lady. Her husband has just died, and she's reading romance lonely heart <laughs> magazines. As the investigation goes on, they started to dig into Nanny's past. During another interrogation, Special Agent Ray Page confronts her. Oh, Ray Page. Nice name, nice name. They have found out about the other three dead husbands. The similar symptoms. Could this giggling old lady really be responsible? (laughs) (laughs) He snatches her magazine away from her. He wouldn't let me watch my television shows, she says. He made me sleep without the fan on, on the hottest nights. I mean, what is a woman to do in such a situation? I mean, and then she asks for her magazine back. Wow, that's cold. <laughs> Everything comes out. That's just oh wow. Richard Morton. She she did, so she did literally just after he digs into the past. Yeah, takes the magazine takes away, magazine. and then she goes, "Killed them all." There we are. Well, yeah. What am I to do? And what, am I, he, what am I to do? Give well, me a magazine. What am I to, back. Yeah. Well, these are wow. the things he did to me. The stories. I, I wouldn't. I would. Yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't read my stories. I couldn't watch my stories. I didn't have the fan um, on. At couldn't night. have the fan on. What what option did I have? Everything comes out. Richard Morting, Arlie Lanning, Frank Hudson, um, men who at first she had loved but had turned out to be terrible disappointments to her. If their ghosts are in this room, she says, they are either drunk or sleeping. The morning after the confessions, the detectives from Tulsa take trips to Kansas, North Carolina and Alabama to oversee the exhumations of her husband's. Her husband's, her mother, her sister, her nephew, and Arlie Lanning's mother. Her husband's and mother were found to have massive amounts of arsenic in the remains. Mm. The rest were all found to have died of asphyxia. They strongly believe they have been smothered in their sleep. (gasps) 
The press locates Nanny's first husband, Charlie Bragg, the one who got away, yeah. the one who survived. And he becomes a minor celebrity, um, sort of giving <laughs> interviews about his memories of Nanny, about his life with Nanny, how he was lucky to escape, how he feared for everything. Charlie actually asks the remains of their two daughters, their two middle children who passed away, were exhumed and tested too yeah. to see if they had been victims but it seems that the police felt that they had they had quite enough evidence yeah. against nanny that it was not justified a quartet of psychiatrists declare her mentally sane and she is sent to trial in tulsa for the murder of sam doss only the murder of sam doss mm. because we are looking at different murders cr- committed across, in, across different states yeah. and on the 17th of may 1955 she pleads guilty to the murder i mean her lawyers have advised just the sheer weight of evidence um, and the history behind her is just like go guilty and in oklahoma at that time death penalty well not because she's a woman ah. if she had been a man absolutely death penalty but because she is a woman she is spared the electric chair and is sentenced to life imprisonment so Nanny spends the rest of her days in Oklahoma State Penitentiary. She has never tried for the other murders. Which, yes, she's caught, but I suppose there's is there a sense of no particular justice no for those justice other for those the other families. So Nanny as I say, Nanny spends the rest of her days in Oklahoma State Penitentiary, no doubt still dreaming that that night in shining armour is go- <laughs> is coming. Will come to take her away. And that is the story of Nanny Doss. A terrifying, the giggling granny. When she died, it was in late the late fifties. What a so story! There we go. Nanny Dawson, a very famous story. Very famous story. Well known, mentioned um, to us a few times to say, "Are we going to do it?" And we've done it. Done and it justice. Some, some unfortunately very terrifying things. In oh, there. That's, that is a really <laughs> troubling story. Uh, everything as you've laid it out, it's hard because there's there's sort of two versions of Nanny. There is the murderer, and possible child killer which you can come on to there's also someone who has been abused who has had a a horrible life in her family from her father has gone on to marry dreaming of romance dreaming of love hoping for some way out and to have married alcoholics rapists adulterers she has a a horrid life yeah do you know not that you can excuse it but is it those ones you don't we don't reasoning ex- behind it or it would be wrong to just go oh if you're a murderer then there's no mitigating circumstances whatsoever yeah. or whatever you know you shouldn't commit obviously <laughs> the one lesson is you shouldn't commit murder <laughs> you said about well, the head injury we have the head injury there which so so she maintained throughout was a was a reason for her behavior which it might have uh, been. Which it may well have absolutely. It may well have. It may well have. There's loads of stories about people who have head trauma. And because of the constant pain and the tinnitus and stuff like that, it, it, it makes you psychotic. So maybe that's a reason. And also, bloody hell, it was horrible, her life. It was. It was horrible, absolutely. And I have some sympathy for the husbands. Not the last husband. He was a nice man. He was a boring man. Um, but he treated her well. Yeah. Um, Sam Doss. There's a moment where with all of the abuse or, you know, whatever's happened to you, it doesn't, it wouldn't happen to everyone. Maybe it takes a certain kind of person, but the switch flips and just, I don't want to tolerate this anymore and I don't want to deal with this. Then we come on to the then kids. Then we come on to, yes, well, precisely. Where is this sudden leap? It's horrible to bring up the baby death again if that happened. Possibly it is a moment of postnatal depression psychosis and you could completely understand that it is not That is the only one she ever continued to deny. Yeah. 
throughout all of this that the, the, the baby she had nothing to do with. And you would think there would be evidence. There, there would be something evidence. like that would be there would be physical evidence there doesn't seem to be any reason but then you've got the life insurance then your life the insurance on the the grandson um is Which it because is no he's reason. a because he's a well i say because he's a male but no she killed her own mother um yeah so she's killed her mother who's a, in the way it's not an entire against men thing but if she's um, taken out a life insurance on the baby she's so starting to see life as as dispensable yes on her eldest grandson robert which is suspicious Yes. Which is too suspicious. So he's, when the, when that happens, he's about three, I think. He's about three years old. Um, the grandson, uh, 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 uh. who dies of asphyxia. Well, as you said, at the end of it, when asked, she has oh, this seemingly demeanour of, but he, he did this, so I, what I mean, was it? Absolutely. It was, it was I mean, perfectly it was so, it was, from what I, can, what I can read, it was such a, a chilling thing to be actually the police interrogating and questioning her and when she actually starts to admit stuff it's just like people are people actually just don't believe that this seemingly nice this is a grandmother who Mm. is cheerfully saying how she killed her husbands the policemen don't believe it to begin with i mean how on earth could a woman who seems to be so lovely Mm. do these such terrible terrible things i mean is she just the best actress in the world or does she genuinely believe or does she genuinely believe that she has been so hard done by in her life that, that she was she she had deserved these a fantastic husband uh, a loving family and all this that she, it was she was entitled to that and she didn't get it so she was yeah she just was justified i think it's the case that she 100% believed mm. it and that makes you the best actress in the world well, yes if you completely <laughs> if you believe, believe what you're doing then everyone will believe you um I think it was just the prunes, though, in that uh, first case with the last husband. The prune cake. The prune cake. It was just prunes. Prunes. Just prunes are evil (laughs) and they need to die. What a story, though. Mm. Nanny Doss. Big case. Big story. What do you think, people? What do you think of this one? This one's a thinker. But tell us what you think. Come and have a chat with us on social media and share your views and your ideas or other stories you want to hear from us. And I would definitely say try A Summer Rose. Do try a summer really, rose. really good. Yeah, it's really nice. Such it's a rounding, nice it's, it's not stuff you're going to have in the cupboard. I must admit. But if you fancy a cocktail, it's worth buying a bottle of lychee liqueur and some white creme de cacao. You'll always have a use for the white creme de cacao. Oh yeah, absolutely. so many recipes. Yeah. And you know what? It's a really simple and easy dinner party drink it is you know what if people come round and you want to look fancy and they're all sitting outside at your fire pit at a safe distance and you bring out a tray of these everyone will go and then be secretly jealous of you they'll (laughs) they'll covet your lovely things they shall that they shall give it a go and share your cocktail pictures on the social medias Mm. because we love to see them we love to know what you're drinking we love to know what you're listening to and what you're talking about and what you're basically doing whether you have (laughs) clothes on at all times yep you know have you ever had a roll in the hay (laughs) is it sexy does it get everywhere it's not sexy (laughs) it's painful and spiky and do check out our Patreon if you have questions about joining Patreon and what we do over there we are here for you so we have been the people inside the poisonous cabinet we will see you next week and remember your loved ones are trying to kill you bye bye